Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. The sheep and church growth. And we are looking at evangelism. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I want to speak on the subject hindrances to evangelism. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Why are the laborers few? Because of so many hindrances that are on their way. You see, one of the steps as a church that we need to take is a willingness to look into the mirror. Everybody understands what a mirror is. When you look into the mirror, the mirror reflects your image and you're able to see what is okay on your face, on your shirt, uh, or if your tie is correctly adjusted, or if your collar is correctly adjusted, or if your makeup is in the right place. The mirror will reflect who you are as a person. When you check the mirror as a lady, you will see where you have poured a lot of powder and you reduce it, isn't it? Or if one eyelash is longer than the rest, you chop it, isn't it? So the mirror reflects who you are. You can change a lot of things on your face, your hairstyle, you know, you can shave your beards using the mirror because the mirror is a reflection of who you are. So as a church, we always have to once in a while look into the mirror and examine ourselves to see how are we doing? And when it comes to evangelism, it is important for us to notice that when, when, we, when, we, when we look at the mirror, as far as evangelism is concerned, we realize that we have not been as evangelistic as we ought to. We've not been doing evangelism as we ought to. Evangelism has been lost in our churches today. It has been left to a few individuals. It has been left to the pastor. It has been left to the evangelist. But every single one of us, we are supposed to be involved in evangelism. Every believer, every sheep, every Christian, every child of God, we must be involved in evangelism. Touch your neighbor and ask them, when was the last time you preached to somebody about Jesus? You see, that question is a mirror. That question is a mirror. And when you think about it, some of you realize that the last time you did it maybe was last month or last year or three weeks ago or two months ago. And that should make you make necessary adjustments so that you can become an evangelist where God has placed you. One of the greatest responsibilities given to a child of God is to be a witness in the world. And you become a witness in two ways. Number one, by sharing the message of Jesus Christ. That's the first, um, the first way you become a witness. But number two also, you become a witness by displaying salvation. The way you live, your conduct, your character must display salvation. When people look at you, they will see, they, they can see rather a Christian. So it's the message, but also it's the lifestyle. The message is by you talking to people about Christ. The, life, the lifestyle is by you demonstrating the salvation that is at work in your life. But ladies and gentlemen, it is sad to note that many of us fail when it comes 
to becoming a witness. Many of us fall short of God's expectation of us. He expects us to be witnesses of our faith, but we come short of that. And one of the reasons why we come short of that is because of hindrances that are planted on our path. We have so many obstacles that we are supposed to surmount if we are going to do evangelism. So what are these hindrances? There are so many, but I'll share with you a few. And then next Sunday, we'll continue with the rest. Number one hindrance to evangelism is disobedience. Somebody say disobedience. Shout it louder, disobedience. Disobedience is one of the factors that hinder many people from doing evangelism. You see, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave us the great commission. And the great commission has to do with evangelism. But because of disobedience, many of us don't fulfill the great commission. You see, obedience to the great commission will propel you towards evangelism. When you obey what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go into the whole world and preach, you automatically become an evangelist because you're obeying what Jesus told you to do. It will make you strike a conversation with people on the streets, in the matatu, in the neighborhood, when you're going to buy milk at the kiosk or when you're in the supermarket or hypermarket, or stores, wherever you are, it will make you strike a conversation with people and ensure that they know Jesus. It will make you talk to people about Christ and when they are willing to give their lives to Jesus Christ, you will pray for them immediately. So obedience is important, but many Christians are disobedient. They are so disobedient that even when we have like special programs for evangelism, they will never show up. They will never come. They always have excuses why they cannot come. When we have crusades, they will have an excuse why they cannot come for the crusade. When we are going out on Saturday, you know, as CMGs, as departments, they will never, they will never show up. And many of them, it is not that they are busy. They are simply disobedient to the Great Commission. Well, even if you don't come, how many people do you talk to about Christ? Do you talk to your friends about Jesus Christ? Do you talk to your family members about Jesus Christ? Do you talk to your colleagues at work about Jesus Christ? Do you talk to your uh, in-laws about Jesus Christ? Do you talk to your employees about Jesus Christ? You see, many of us, because of disobedience, there are so many opportunities that we can use you know, to reach out to people. But because of disobedience, we don't do that. We just let people slide to hell because we are disobedient to the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. This is what the Bible says. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Beam it on the screen. The Bible says, and he said to them, this is Jesus. And he said to them, go into all the world and do what? And preach. What are you going to preach? The gospel to every creature. Go into the whole world and preach. So we must go. Tell your neighbor we must go. Yes, we must go. As we go, you know, to teach, we must preach. As we go to do business, we must preach. As we go for a business meeting, we must preach. As we go to work, we must preach. 
everywhere we find ourselves, we must endeavor to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word go means the following. Number one, it means to move along in a specified manner. To target a group, a neighborhood, or an individual. Because you're moving in a specified manner. There is somebody you are targeting. There is an area you are targeting. There is a group of people that you are targeting. That word also go means to take a certain course or follow a certain procedure. You have structured strategy to reach different types of people as you are going. When you go to this area, you understand the, uh, the strategy that is needed to reach the people who live in that area. When you move to this different area, you understand the strategy that is needed to be able to reach those people who live in that area. When you step into a particular field, you understand the strategy that is needed to reach the people who are in that field. It is a structured uh, strategy because you are following a certain procedure. That word go also means to proceed without delay. There is a sense of urgency immediate action you are a man on a mission but you are not dragging your feet you are not lethargic in your efforts you have a sense of urgency you know that time is not on our side you know that people can die anytime look at the other day we have lost almost 54 people just like that People who woke up in the morning thinking I will go to the market and go back home. But they didn't know that that is the day they will die. And 53, I think it's 54 or 53 people are dead right now. Question is, are they born again? If they're not born again, it is over for them. They will spend their eternity in hell. It doesn't matter how you die. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you can die anytime. It is true. It doesn't matter how you die. What matters is when you die, how, how did you know Jesus? Did you have Christ in your heart? Why are you following God? Because you can die anytime. The Bible says a wise man thinks about death. Look at the way you're quiet. We confess long time, long, long life rather. But let me tell you, 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 you can die. Tell your neighbor, you can die, my friend. You can die. You know, one day, uh, I'll give you a story. One day, one day, I was talking to someone and I was asking this person <clears throat> because we were, doing, we were doing planning. We were doing planning. My wife and I, we were doing planning uh, concerning our lives in the future. All right? Yeah. You know, when you think about death, you start planning. The reason why some of you have not planned because you're thinking you, you are Alpha and Omega. It's only God who is Alpha and Omega. Huh? So we were planning and, 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 and planning and planning. This is what we want to do when we reach here at this stage, wherever. We were planning our finances, where we want to be when we're in our 50s, how it's, how, how it's supposed to be 60s, how it's supposed to be 70s, how it's supposed to be. 80s. Because you see, as you're progressing, what is happening is your energies are also dropping. You understand what I'm saying? Right now you can climb stairs without thinking. But there are days you first of all have a mathematical discussion before you climb the stairs. Are you getting what I'm saying? So anyway, as we were discussing, I asked that person, when is the right time 
to write a will for your children. Then the person asked me, when is the right time to know you are dying? And that was already an answer. Because some people think, I will wait until I'm very old, then I write my will. You don't know. Tell your neighbor, you don't know. And if you're here not born again, let me tell you, you need to give your life to Christ. Because you never know. Maybe this is your last sermon today. You don't know. Nobody knows. You get what I'm saying? Those people who are going to the market, they didn't know they would die that day. Because that was a market area. So some were selling potatoes, some were selling vegetables, some were selling, selling oranges, some were selling um, uh, roasted maize, isn't it? But now they are no more. So we must have a sense of urgency. You understand what I'm talking about? Tell your neighbor, have a sense of urgency, urgency. You must have a sense of urgency. That's what it means to go. To go into the whole world, have a sense of urgency because you don't know if these people will be alive tomorrow. Now, we must go so that we overcome disobedience. We must go so that we overcome reluctance, which is among us all the time. We must go so that we become obedient to the great commission. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 to 9 the Bible says also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go? Somebody shout go. Who will go for us? God is asking a question. Who is this person who has an agency to go for us? And Isaiah said here I am send me. So we must be obedient like Isaiah because God is looking for somebody who will go. God is looking for somebody who has, a, who has the urgency to go. God is looking for somebody who is willing to obey him promptly. To go for him. To preach to the lost souls. To evangelize to the neighborhood that is going to help. God is looking for somebody who can say like Isaiah, I will go. Touch your neighbor for me and ask them, will you go for God? So I will give you flyers. But some people, when they take the flyers, they take the flyers and put them under their seats. It is disobedient. They take the flyers and they never make use of the flyers. It is disobedience. And the reason why we are not able to bring a harvest of souls into the kingdom of God is because we have many disobedient believers in the house of God. They never obey God's word. They will hear the word of God. They will enjoy the word of God. Oh, it was a very powerful, very challenging message. I was really challenged to the core. But when you say amen, let's go home. That's it. They will never do anything about what they hear. So, I want to challenge you this morning, overcome your disobedience. It is time to go. Amen? Some of you, before you arrive home, you should preach to somebody today. Some of you, before you even eat lunch after this service, you should preach to somebody today. Obey the word of God. Because when you walk in obedience, you'll overcome, you know, the inability to do evangelism. Amen? Number two, another hindrance. Another hindrance to evangelism where the sheep is not involved 
in bringing a harvest of souls into God's kingdom is lack of passion for souls. People have lost passion for the souls out there. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that there is passion everywhere? You see passion in sports. That's why people go out there, they will scream their voice hoarse, celebrating their teams, remove their shirts. You know, when you look at the West, they go to stadiums and it is freezing cold. And they will stay because of passion. They have a passion for soccer. Even when there is extra time, they will not complain that the match is too long. They will stay. Isn't it? Extra 15, they will stay. Penalties, they will stay. But the same people come to church, extend the service. They will start complaining. Is it, is, am, I, am I saying the truth? So there is passion out there, a lot of passion. Look at politics, how people defend their candidates. I mean, people speak about their candidates until you see veins on their neck. Veins on their foreheads. Passion. Until they're almost crying. How they're defending their party. ODM. UDA. Sisi kwa sisi. Wipe Nipe wipe Oh, they are not here. Nobody's giving me a wiper. Wiper. Jubilee. <laughs> Tell your neighbor you are a very good pretender. <laughs> very good pretender. I've seen it. Look at the way they can even talk about the kind they can see. You, you see passion. See passion. Look at followers of Raila. Passion. Pibim. <laughs> passion. Strong passion, man. Hey. Until they're even equating him with God. Raila Baba. Raila Moana. Hey. <laughs> passion. I wish you can follow some of those people in church. You will never see that passion. Passion is everywhere. Look at movies. People act until you feel it's real. Until you cry. People cry in the movie until you cry. And they're acting. Somebody acts until they cry. You see tears. And they, wow, you also cry. Hey. Or somebody is acting, kissing. But they make it look so real. Until you're saying, oh my God. I wish this guy can kiss me. Isn't it, ladies? Tell your neighbor you are a very good pretender. <laughs> a 
and imagine his acting but you see the passion in it isn't it wow people dancing to secular music passion they dance with all their hearts until you think there is there is no bone in their body the waist the way it is moving is fluid ah, it's moving it's moving it's moving hey they remove their shirts when they remove their shirts the crowd goes into a frenzy they say remove something else <laughs> And the person removes. Oh yes. So much passion until the guy can even move from the stage and jump to the crowd. And they will grab the person. Passion. Hey. Michael Jackson used to sing until people cry. One time there was a lady who just wanted a hug and she, they pulled the lady from the crowd. She came on stage. Michael Jackson hugged her while singing. She was slain. She just melted. Ashes came. You see the way ashes carry people who are slain in the spirit. They carry, she was slain in the spirit. I don't know which spirit was that. Passion. There is passion everywhere. Look at some people when they are eating food. Passion, my friend. Passion. You see they are committed. Committed to the plate. And they are committed to finish everything that is on the plate. We even have eating competition. You see the size of garlic somebody is eating. And they finish it. You wonder where is it going? And how will it come out? This side is very quiet. Are we together this side? Tell your neighbor there is passion everywhere. Tell them again there is passion everywhere. Look, even the LGBTQ plus community is more passionate than us who are considered straight. They are very passionate. They are fighting for their rights. They are out there. Now they are coming out. Very passionate about their agenda. Hey, look at even the movies. A man is kissing another man, and when that man decides now to get another man, he cries. The way you, your heart is broken because a man left you as a lady. It's the same, the same way this man is crying. He has been left by another man. He's so broken, he cannot go to work. He cannot brush his teeth. He cannot shower <laughs> because of another man who has beard like him, rough chest like him. A lady is crying because another lady has left her. She's crying. You see, passion, she's crying. She's affected. She's almost sick. Passion. Passion. But church, people have no passion at all. We are flat. You know what flat is? We are bland, flat. No passion, no excitement, no exuberance, no passion for souls. 
We don't think about the people who are lost there. There's no energy. Hmm. There is no excitement about evangelism. There's no drive about evangelism. When other people are showing passion, as we are just handling spiritual matters with a lot of casualness. Tell your neighbor, we need to see passion in you. And praise and worship, there is no passion. The worship leader has to really... Come on, 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 clap your hands, come on, come on, come on, move like this, come on, come on, come on, come back, come on, come on, come on, go down, come on, come on, some of you are not going down, go down, come on. When you are not born again, nobody was telling you that. There was no worship leader. You're very quiet, you people. There was no worship leader. The moment the DJ put the beat. Ask your neighbor, where is your passion? Where is your passion? You see, some of you cannot even turn to your neighbors. That's how proud you are. Turn to your neighbors, the neighbor. Where is your passion? You don't have radical Christians anymore. Who can wear a t-shirt of the church and go out there and do witnessing. Knock on doors. Talk to their colleagues. Talk to their friends. How many years you've ever smoked? Either weed or cigarette. Lift your hand. We will not judge you. You are now born again. How many have ever drunk alcohol? Here, lift your hand. Alcohol, you are many of us. Please lift up your hand. I see it printed on your forehead. Guinness, Pilsner, Kuchi, Yokozuna. Please lift your hand and wave at me. Many of us. How many have ever had sex before? Oh, tell your neighbor, you are a, such a good pretender, I'm telling you. Look, people are not lifting their hands. <laughs> and somebody is asking, what, what do you mean? <laughs> exactly what I asked. Most of us, most of us, a greater majority of us, it is somebody who introduced you to those things. And they painted a picture for you. And you took the bait. We need to paint the picture of Jesus Christ. Salvation. The joy in Christ. And we must do it with a lot of passion. So that we can introduce as many people as possible to Christ. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Let's move to a scripture because some of you are already sweating and it's very cold. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. The Bible says examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Don't you understand that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Don't fail the test of faith. Don't fail the test of passion. 
Don't fail the test of excitement when it comes to Jesus Christ. Another translation says, unless indeed you are disqualified. Don't be disqualified from passion. You must have passion for Christ. You must have passion for the souls. Because this is what will drive you towards evangelism. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, the Bible says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to man. Do it with all your heart. Commit your heart. Commit your soul. Commit your hands to it. Put your head into it that you're going to be an evangelist. And don't allow anything to quench the fire for souls in your heart. Think about souls every now and then. Think about people who are going to hell every now and then. Think about your colleagues, your friends, your, 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 your family members, your siblings. Think about them and let that fire and passion for souls continue to burn in your heart so that it may drive you towards evangelism. Touch your neighbor and tell them, don't lose your passion. Jeremiah chapter 40. Or rather 48. Jeremiah chapter 48. Look at what the Bible says. Jeremiah chapter 48. The Bible says, verse 10. <clears throat> I'm going to read only the first part. Cast. Can we read together? Cast is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. So you can actually cast yourself. If there is no passion towards God's work. You are doing it but no passion. No excitement, no enthusiasm. You're just doing it because we have to do it. The Bible says you're cursed. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. So I pray for you, you will not be cursed. You'll have passion for God's work. You'll have passion for evangelism. You'll be sold out for evangelism. In Jesus' name. Shout a louder, amen. Number three. Number three is the fear of the law. Uh, is the fear of the people. Sorry, is the fear of the people. You fear people. That's why you can't do evangelism. You fear your boss. You fear your wife. You fear your children. You fear your brothers. You fear your colleagues. You fear all those people who are around you. That's why you cannot do evangelism. You are afraid of them. You 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 are a captive of the fear of man. We fear people a lot. You see, when we were doing evangelism, some people were mocking us because of this Shakahola story. And that can make you be afraid to talk to people about Jesus Christ. Some people are threatened with consequences. For example, children can be threatened by their parents. We fear a lot of things. Or your colleagues can laugh at you. Or they can decide now you'll not be part of their clique. So for you to fit in, you don't talk to them about Jesus. It's still a form of fear. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to belong to a certain clique, you want to belong to a certain group, and so you don't want to talk to them about Jesus so that they may accommodate you, they may have you, you know, in that, in that group. But remember, when those people go to hell, their blood, God will require on your head. Because he brought those networks around you so that you can be able to witness to them. But you didn't take your stand. I remember one time I was playing golf in Seattle. You'll be there in Jesus' name. I was playing golf. You see, Seattle is where you have Facebook. These big, big tech companies, they're in Seattle. 
and I was playing golf with the big boys. Yeah, CEOs of this big, big Amazon is there, Facebook is there. Um, I've gone to Facebook offices, I've gone to Amazon, I've been there. Look, all my stories are true. <laughs> Amen? I've been there. Amazon, they have a store where when you go to shop, you just go in, pick whatever you pick, and then you just leave. But it will still deduct, man deduct money from your account. That's another level. You, you just go in and pick stuff. Pick, 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 and then you just leave. But it will still deduct money from your account. You know, in my African thinking, I was saying, if this thing they bring in Kenya, <laughs> by the time they are going to deduct the money, they find that the account has been closed. <laughs> it was closed yesterday, isn't it? Anyway, I was playing golf with these big, big guys, and we were playing, we were playing, we were playing, we were talking, having a conversation, intelligent conversation, playing, playing, playing. That's why it's good for you to read wide, so that when people talk about some things, you have something to say. So, towards the end, they asked me, by the way, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. They went like, eh? Pastor. I said, yes, I'm a pastor, I'm a clergy. Pastor. So I asked them, why are you surprised? He said, as we, we don't we don't we don't hang out with pastors. <laughs> I told them it's too late. <laughs> but you see, already they have sent a message to me. So if I have to hang out with such people, I should not talk about Jesus. For me to be in their company, I should not talk about Jesus. And that's how some of us are. Because you want to fit in and belong to a certain group, you don't talk about Christ. You don't talk about Jesus. Because you want to belong to that group. That's why many people don't even evangelize to the people who are very close to them. Because they want them to be very comfortable around them. It's the fear of man. Tell your neighbor, overcome the fear of man. Tell them again, overcome the fear of man. Why should you overcome the fear of man? Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25. The Bible says, the fear of man brings a snare. You see, a snare is like a trap that a hunter uses to be able to capture the prey. Fishermen use a snare to catch fish, isn't it? Hunters use different types of snares to trap game. But also Satan uses the snare of fear to keep believers from witnessing to lost souls. Fear cripples believers. Fear shuts down believers. Fear will always bring you to a place where you cannot share your faith with those who are around you. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. So every time you see fear, I want you to know that it doesn't come from God. Every time you sense fear, 
It is not from God. It is not among the gifts of the spirit. It is not even among the fruit of the spirit. Fear is of the devil. Because the devil knows if he can trap you with fear, then you will never share the message of Jesus Christ with those who are around you. You know, in another story, Jesus was talking to his disciples in Luke chapter 21. And he was talking to them about some of the things that they were going to face. Physical persecution that will follow each and every one of them after his resurrection. The things that they were going to go through. The tough times that they are going to go through. And we pick up the story. I want us to read these verses in New King James, uh, New Living Translation and the Message Bible. And he begins to prepare them for what will befall them. But one thing he kept on telling them is, don't be afraid. Don't let what you go through silence you. Luke chapter 21, verse 12. Give me from the new King James Version, then we'll move to NLT. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. He's telling that to his disciples. Uh, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers. For my name's sake. Verse 13. Keep going. But it will turn out for you as an occasion. For what? For testimony. So when they bring you before people to persecute you, you know, it will be a platform for you to preach and declare to you, to, to them rather, my message. Therefore settle it in your heart not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Verse 15, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or even to resist. Hmm, isn't that encouraging? That even when you find yourself in such a situation, don't be afraid because God will be with you. Look at it from the NLT so that you can understand what I'm talking about. Some of you are already lost. Verse 12, let's go back. Give me NLT. DJ. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. It will be an opportunity for you to preach. When you find yourself in such a tight corner, it's an opportunity for you to preach. When you find that you've been brought before people to defend your faith, I want you to know that God has prepared a dais and a platform for you, for you to be able to preach. Look at what he says in verse 14. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. Verse 15. For I will give you the right words, such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. They will not match your wisdom. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I pray over you and I prophesy over your life that when you find yourself in such a situation, may the wisdom of God well up within you and may your words be full of wisdom. May you use that occasion to preach Jesus, to declare the message of the cross with power and conviction and may their lives be turned around. Can you shout aloud, amen? Let's read it from the message, verse 12. What does the Bible say? Verse 12 of message. DJ, be quick. But, but before any of this happens, they will arrest you, hunt you down, drag you to court and jail. Somebody say mercy. 
it will go from bad to worse. Somebody say, Ish. dog eat dog. Somebody say, mercy. Everyone at your throat, Ish. because you carry my name. You will end up on the witness stand, called to testify. Make up your mind right now, not to worry about it. I will give you words and wisdom that will reduce all your accusers to stammerers and stutters. Hey, hey. May God grant you that wisdom in the name of Jesus. Please shout aloud, amen. I say, may God grant you that wisdom in the name of Jesus. They will not match your wisdom. They will become stammerers and stutters. I'm going to say beautiful. So overcome fear. Overcome the fear of man. Let it not be something that cripples you. That when you have to, you know, to defend the name of Jesus, you are afraid, you're wondering, what will you say? Jesus said, don't worry. I'll give you the words. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you the ability. I will anoint you for that moment. And you will make your accusers stammerers and starters. Acts chapter 4 is a story of Peter and John. In, remember in Acts chapter 3, they had prayed for the man at the gate called Beautiful. He got healed. He stood up. He entered the temple praising. There was a commotion in the entire city. And people started, you know, talking about this miracle. It went viral. It got to the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the scribes, you know, and the Pharisees. And they called Peter. Not the they didn't even call them. They arrested them, Peter and John. They were arrested and they were trying to shut them down, telling them, do not speak in the name, you know, of Jesus Christ. Please pick it up from verse 5. And this was the, and it came to pass on the next day that there's the rulers, the elders, the scribes, verse 6, move quickly. The rulers, the elders, and the scribes. DJ, let's move. Hey. As well as an Annas. <clears throat> Let's stay with the high priest. The high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Keep going. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name? Have you done this? Hmm. Verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, hey, of Nazareth, you guys are not excited about this message. Tell your neighbor, it's by the name of Jesus. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. Hmm. Next verse. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now, when they saw 
this is what I wanted you to see. Now when they saw, who saw? Remember, Peter was before elders, rulers, chief priests, people in authority. And he was speaking to them. After speaking, these same guys, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. It is the same Jesus who told them, don't be afraid. When you find yourself in such a situation, just know I will empower you. I will give you wisdom. I'll give you the right words to speak until those people will become stammerers and stutters. There is somebody here who is afraid to witness to people because you're thinking when you go to witness to these people, they will challenge you the way they have challenged you before. But this day, I want to prophesy over your life. You are living this service with a new fresh anointing when you go to meet these people do not be afraid do not be scared do not be intimidated they will see your boldness they will see your courage and they will conclude that you have been with Jesus because many of us we are scared how will I begin what will I say you know, this guy that I'm going to see is a very intelligent guy. He's a professor. He's a doctor. He's very eloquent. Look, you have Jesus. Look at the neighbor. Give them high five. Tell them, you have Jesus. Tell them again, you have Jesus. Tell them again, you have Jesus. Tell them again, you have Jesus. I send you with Jesus. I send you with the presence of Jesus. I send you with the power of Jesus. I send you with the wisdom of Jesus. I send you with the grace of Jesus. Give somebody high ten and tell them you have Jesus with you. My goodness, my goodness. They were uneducated, but they had Jesus. They were untrained, but they had Jesus. They didn't have so much experience, but they had Jesus. Tonight, you don't need many things. You need Jesus. I say you need Jesus. May you live here with Jesus. May you go with Jesus. May you preach with Jesus. May you witness with Jesus. May you evangelize with Jesus. And because Jesus is with you, I see souls getting saved. I see souls being delivered. I see chains being broken. I see people being delivered. Shout aloud, yes! They marveled and they perceived. <laughs> they realized these people have been with Jesus. So tell your neighbor, stop being afraid. You're not alone. Yes. Anytime you're going to do evangelism, you're not alone. Jesus say, and lo, I am with you. Always. Talk to those people. Don't be intimidated. Stop that person. Say, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. When you're seated in the matatu, don't be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, hi, how are you? Where are you going? Oh, okay, before you reach there, I have something I want to share with you. Jesus steps in. When they try to challenge you, Jesus gives you wisdom. When they try to resist you, Jesus gives you power. Go with Jesus. I say, go 
with Jesus. I say go with Jesus. Shout yes. Stand to your feet. Revelation. Chapter 21. I want to show you how bad fear is. Revelation 21 and verse 8. We will not walk in fear anymore. Let's read together. But another word for cowardly is what? Is fear. But there? Uh-huh. And? Uh-huh. 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 And all shall have which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Are you seeing how wicked fear is? So when you walk in fear, you have been put in the category of sorcerers. Can we have NLT? You have been put in the category of liars, murderers, idolaters, sexual immoral people. You are in the same basket. <laughs> Let's go. But, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Their fate. This is. So you must shed off fear today. You must shed it off. The way a, the way a snake sheds off old skin. Because God wants you to be bold like Peter and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This coming Sunday, I prophesy you will bring somebody to church. Fear is no longer your portion in the name of Jesus. Every fear, every form of fear in your life today, I cast it out in the name of Jesus. Every fearful feeling that you can't talk to your boss, you can't talk to your colleagues, you can't talk to your neighbors, you can't talk to your friends, we cast it out right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, every form of fear in my heart, in my life, I cast it out right now. The fear of man, I cast it out right now in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands and pray right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.